to Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author, coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary Freedom from Overeating Starter Kit, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Ian Watson, welcome to Unbroken. Very nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. So why don't you give us a little background, tell us about yourself and how you came to came across the three principles. Yeah, I um, really have followed my own interest, which took me initially into um, alternative healing. As a teenager, I started with bark flower remedies and that led me into herbs and homeopathy. Homeopathy became my career for at least 15 years. I was um, a practitioner. Also, I became interested in the training side. So I started running a homeopathy training school, wrote some books, became reasonably well known, I suppose, in that field and assumed that would be my uh, life's uh, work, really. You know, I loved homeopathy, still do. And to my surprise, <laughs> through working with a lot of clients over time, I started to see that sometimes people come with a physical health problem, but it turns out to be the entry ticket. And there's, you know, there's other things going on, which once you get to know the person, as you will know, uh, they start to reveal more about what their internal struggles are, you know, the other things going on with their, in their life. And I started to feel that there were other ways that I'd like to help people that I didn't know what they were. But I sometimes felt that um, the purely homeopathic approach that I knew wasn't addressing everything that could be addressed. Um, and just in, in general terms, to say what I mean by that. Sometimes I would work with people and it, you know, it felt like we were both pushing a rock up a hill mm. and not getting very far. Like they were working really hard. They were doing all the right things. I was doing my best to find the remedies that would help them. And my inner sense was nothing much is really changing on a deep level. You know, we're kind of moving things around. But contrasting that, I would see some people who literally first interview or very, you know, relatively short period of working together, something would seem to shift for them quite quickly and they'd be kind of on their way you know they might still come to me for occasional support but it was a very different experience and um I got curious about that you know what there's something invisible here mm. <laughs> I don't know what it is that seems to be like the secret source that determines you know what people's experiences and I saw exactly the same thing when I was running homeopathy school for about 10 years people would go through the training we run a three-year program some people would come out, they'd already be practitioners, they'd already have a client base. It all seemed to just grow and flow naturally. There'd be other people who'd done exactly the same training, would tell me, this is really hard, it's really complicated, I don't know enough, uh, maybe there's not enough sick people where I live, I don't know. <laughs> they'd come up with all kinds of reasons why it didn't seem to be working out. And again, I was scratching my head thinking, it can't be why they think it is, there's something else. So that became my pursuit for about the next nine or 10 years. And the other thing that I noticed, and I, obviously this was also looking at my own experience as well as the people I was working with, when we're struggling, essentially we're struggling with how we're feeling on the inside. 
in very simple terms. That's what it comes down to. Um, we notice that we're feeling a particular way that's not comfortable. We know that we could be feeling different, which is interesting. Everybody knows that when they mm. when they don't feel right. Everybody knows they could feel better. <laughs> and then we do whatever occurs to us, whatever makes sense to us to try to make that happen. And sometimes with success, but often not. Often it just becomes an ongoing pursuit for people, as it did for me, and trying one thing, trying another. But I knew that it was something around that, that there was something important about helping people to reconnect to how they really knew that they could feel on the inside. And that became my pursuit for about another nine years or so. And I'd, so I retrained in a number of things. I trained with Brandon Bayes in journey process work. I started to learn Jungian psychology. I was looking at dream analysis. I was doing belief change work. Um, the essence of it, I called it emotional release work because I saw that that was a big part of what people were struggling with. So I had my own kind of hybrid way of working with people. The, the homeopathy side just gradually fell away and I became more focused on that. And then in the beginning of 2011, um, someone who I knew who I hadn't been in touch with for a while said that his work had been transformed by this understanding called the three principles. And I was like, what's that? If that's any good, I would have heard about it by now. <laughs> <laughs> but I hadn't. And uh, it was something that was still under the radar of most people, I think, at that time. It wasn't widely known at all. There were, there were very few resources and materials available. Um, I went and listened to a talk. Something spoke to me, and I knew that that was the missing piece. Mm. And um, so I immersed myself in that, found myself on a training with two wonderful trainers. And that's been the, you know, the foundation of my work ever since. And what it did really, it helped me to make sense of everything else that I'd done that had been helpful. And it also helped me to understand that, that puzzle. Why do some people shift very quickly and have a profound and lasting change? Why do other people to continue to struggle no matter what they do, no matter what you do? All of that suddenly made sense. It became really clear. So I knew I was onto it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So a couple of follow-up questions. One yeah. is, what led you as a teenager to look into homeopathy? Yeah, that was very strange. Um, there was no one in my family that was doing anything like that. So <laughs> it was my secret hobby. <laughs> so <laughs> I spent a lot of time in nature. I did grow up in a, a small town on the edge of um, kind of, you know, a wild area where as young kids, we just used to spend a lot of time in nature, or certainly I did. So I felt very at ease in the natural world. And I I think at some point I just discovered or heard or read that these trees and plants that were everywhere were also medicines. And I was just fascinated by that idea. You know, it was something just catches you. That was just like an eye opener to me. And I, and I wanted to know what they were, you know, what could do what, basically. Um, so whenever I go out in the woods, I was getting to know not just the trees and the plants and the fungi and so on, but what kind of herbal uses they had. And then I learned that some of them were back flower remedies, which was really amazing. And then fine, fine, I stumbled into homeopathy after I bought a book, which this was when I was about 15 or 16. I found this book, which was an A to Z of alternative therapies. So it began with acupuncture. I don't know what was at the end, but somewhere in the middle was homeopathy. Yeah. Oh, wow. I read this book cover to cover. I was completely fascinated by it. And when I reached the homeopathy section, that was it. I was done. It was like, oh, this is what I got to do. You know, it just spoke to me in such a deep way. And I started finding whatever materials I could find. Of course, there was no internet in those days. So 
I was literally going down the library. I was finding secondhand books in antique bookshops. Most of them were antiques. <laughs> <laughs> the books were, you know, Borica from 100 years ago or stuff like this, but they were just amazing. And I had that feeling that I'd found my thing. You know, I, it just felt so familiar to me. I felt like I already knew this material somehow. And then some years later, I discovered you could actually train in this damn thing. I mean, I had no idea. Right. <laughs> but by a series of um, amazing synchronicities, I bumped into someone who was wearing a College of Homeopathy sweatshirt. I was like, there's a College of Homeopathy? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. And he said, where is it? It's in London. Said, okay, I'm moving to London. You know, I grew up in the north of England, but that was it. There was no yeah. question in my mind that I was going to do anything else. So. Wow. Wow, I, that clarity is always so interesting to me that at such a young age, we can have that kind of experience. It, it speaks to, I don't know what, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know it's not like that for everyone, but I think often people do have hints or clues, but we don't, we're not always encouraged to pay attention to them or to listen to them and certainly not to turn them into a career. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will have a particular leaning towards something and then the parents or, you know, careers advice person will, yeah, yeah, well, that's nice, but you'll never make a living out of it. And I'm sure my parents had those kind of thoughts. But I think where I got lucky was not stumbling upon my interest. I think it was giving myself the freedom to follow it. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's so well said. Yeah. And then what year was it that you uh, connected with the three principles? That was beginning of 2011. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So, relative, relatively recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Relatively I, speaking. I, tra- I trained in homeopathy in 1985. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Was, you know, it's, it's been quite a long journey, the whole thing. Yeah. Fascinating. And so one of the things that you mentioned on your website is that there's no reason to work on our issues. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and what you see in that? Yeah, and that's a bit of a head twist, isn't it? For the, mm-hmm. most of us, you know, at least looked into some kinds of self-help or psychology because it's all about working on your issues. And most of the things that I'd learned post-homeopathy, which were in, you know, in that realm, it was all, all about different ways and tools and techniques and processes for doing just that, mm-hmm. working on your issues. But what I really, you know, what I came to see for myself was what I already explained to you I was seeing as a homeopath. You could with some people you could work really hard and they were working really hard and they still the fundamental shift is still not happening whereas with someone else you did almost nothing you know i would just have a preliminary chat and the person would go oh my god i don't know what you just said but thank you very much i'm good to go (laughs) and i'm scratching my head thinking what's going on here so (laughs) so one of the things that i heard uh, sydney banks was the originator of the three principles understanding who lived in Canada, as you probably know, but he actually grew up in Scotland in the early part of his life, um, still had his Scottish accent, although he'd lived all his adult life in, in West Coast Canada. I started to listen to some of the recordings that he made before he died. He died in 2009 and read his, his published books. And one of the things, the first things that jumped out at me from what he was saying was, he said, the only thing that will really make a difference in a person's life, like a true, deep, lasting change, is when they have their own insight. So it's nothing to do with what I say or anybody else says. It's not to do with what they read or what they practice. And insight, he said, is just a shift in the level of consciousness, a shift in the level of understanding. When that happens, your world changes. Until that happens, nothing changes. <laughs> really. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, that's it. That, And I suddenly I look back at all these 
thousands of clients that I'd worked with. And I could see that that was true in every single case. Mm. So that was the first thing that puts paid to the idea that it's all about working on your issue. You can work on issues till the cows come home, but if you don't have an insight, shift won't happen. You won't feel that fundamentally different. And vice versa, you could actually do no work on your issues. If you if someone creates a space for you or you just get fortunate, as Sidney Banks did, it just happened for him spontaneously. He just had a spontaneous realization which completely transformed his life. Mm -hmm. in a way that was visible to other people. They're like, what the hell's happened to Sid? <laughs> it was mm -hmm. so amazing, you know, that people were absolutely gobsmacked by what happened. And he said, that's why he came to that conclusion. He said, it can't be anything that I trained in because I didn't train in anything. Can't be any practices I was doing because I wasn't doing any. <laughs> it can't be any teacher because I wasn't studying with a teacher. You know, the only thing he could account for it was this internal insight shift that he he'd experienced. So that was the first piece that was very helpful to me to understand. Then through the principles of understanding, what you come to appreciate is that we're living in a thought-created experience. And what that really means is that our experience is being created on the inside 100%, even though it looks like a lot of it's coming at us from the outside. You know, most people, if you ask them, do you ever, do you ever get upset or you feel stressed? Yes. What do you think is causing that? Oh, my husband, my wife, my kids, my work, the commute to work, my finances, or if you're a homeopath, my patients. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll all point the fingers typically to something or a combination of factors and say, you know, when this is, isn't going well or isn't going the way I think it should, it causes me to feel stressed in some way, overwhelmed or frustrated or whatever. So it looks like there's a direct cause and effect relationship between circumstances and other people and how we're feeling. What Sid Banks realized was that that's just an illusion. It's not actually true. In fact, it can't be true. Because if you put six people in the same situation, are they all going to feel the same way? No. It has to be a hidden factor. And even the same person in, you know, the same person on different occasions in the same environment will not feel the same way. Why not? What's the hidden variable thought? So that's what's really creating what the person's felt experience is. It's just that it's invisible, it's happening behind the scenes. So we attribute our feeling state to things that are visible, right? It's a very understandable that we would do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very human thing. So the reason I'm explaining this this way to is in order to answer your question properly. Um, you know, why does it why is it not helpful to work on issues? Well, what Sid Banks realized, we were living in a thought created experience, and essentially, whatever we give our thought attention to, increases in our experience. We get to experience more of it. Whatever we think more most about, that's what dominates our experience. So what happens? Supposing I have a little problem in my life, and if I just leave it alone, chances are it'll go away if it's no big deal. But if I start thinking about it <laughs> day and night, and then I enroll a therapist to help me think about it, and they start delving into my past and try to discover all the reasons why it's happening, and then I join a support club or group so I'm now in a community where we all th talk and think about it all the time. Guess what happens? It becomes bigger in my experience, which is innocent. It's not deliberate, obviously. It's just a misunderstanding of how the mind works. But that's the main reason why it's not helpful. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> counterproductive. What we end up with is, a, is a, a bigger seeming problem than what we started out with. And it's endless. We can just keep adding more and more story to it. Um, it never goes away. 
And that, to me, that was exactly what happened in my own experience. And I saw that happen over and over again with clients. Mm-hmm. Once I understood that, it didn't make sense for me to do that kind of work anymore. Mm. All those wonderful techniques that I spent thousands of pounds learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they fell away pretty quickly once I realized that. Right, right. And so if someone comes to you with an issue that they want to work on, what do you recommend doing instead? Um, there isn't anything I recommend them doing. So the first thing to, to say about this, three principles is an understanding. It's not a doing. Mm. It's not another technique. It's not another process. So, and But a lot of people come in and ask exactly that question. You have know, tried all these other things. I hear you're doing some... What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I should do? So it's, it's, again, it's natural that people would start at that point. But in a sense, it's, it, we're starting from a false premise. The false premise being that there's something I need to do to solve this problem. I've got this problem. How do I solve it? A better starting place would be um, how can I change my relationship to what looks like a problem so that it's no longer a problem? Mm. That's really what we're up to with mm-hmm. this work. Because that's actually truly, that's how problems get solved. I don't know if you know the, the, you probably have heard the famous quote that's attributed to Einstein. We cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that created it. Mm-hmm. I heard that, I don't know, 30 odd years ago. And I was like, whoa, that's true. And and I thought I knew what he meant. <laughs> I, I assumed that what he meant by that was, um, if I've got a problem and I try and solve it with the same kind of thinking that created it, I'm just going to get lost. I'm going to get bogged down. I'm probably not going to find the answer. But if I can have a shift in my consciousness, so I've got like an elevated perspective, then I can find solutions which are not visible to me at that lower level of understanding. So that's how I understood it. I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Fast forward 20 years or so, I came into the three principles understanding what I realized from my own experience, that's not actually what happens. That's not actually how problems get solved. What happens is I'm at this level and I've got a problem and I'm going around in circles and I'm not getting anywhere. If I look away from the problem rather than focusing on it, right? And we all know this. We all know this is this is actually what works, right? You lose your keys. Where's my keys? Where's my keys? They could be in front of your nose. You'll never see them. <laughs> You, if you just go and do something else and forget about peace for a while, at a certain moment, it'll come to you. That's mm. usually what happens. You find yourself putting your hand in a jacket pocket. Oh, there they are, right? So we've all had experiences like that many, many, many times. What actually happens is when you have a shift in consciousness, at this new level of consciousness, the problem doesn't exist. It's not that you find the solution. Mm. It only existed at this level. Mm-hmm. You actually move to a new level where it's a non-problem. So there's nothing to be done. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good explanation. And I totally had the same experience with that Einstein quote, like the initial understanding of it. Yeah. That you would just go up a level and see it differently. But yeah, what you've described is so true. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Excuse me. And now you mentioned, you do mention on your website that you combine your three principles work with homeopathy. So tell us um, how that you sort of circled back around. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't want to give the impression there that I combine the two as a practitioner, because that's not true. I don't, mm. 
practice as a homeopathic practitioner anymore. If, if people want that, I refer them to colleagues who mm-hmm. are still doing that work. So my work as a practitioner moved moved on out of that field. But my homeopathic understanding stays with me. Right. As you will know, once you start to look at, you know, look at health and disease through the lens of homeopathy, that there's something about that that to me is it's fundamentally true. Homeopathy has principles behind it, which is why it's been around 200 plus years. It's never going away, no matter what anybody throws at it or, you know, anybody tries to dismiss it as just placebo. It won't go away. Why? Because it's based on something that's fundamentally true, principle of nature behind it. Mm So we don't need to worry about that. I've never, I've never been concerned about homeopathy being shut down or you know all of that nonsense. It's never been a, a worry of, of mine at all because I understood that the principle of homeopathy is a principle of nature, which is why it pops up all over the place. You know, Hippocrates talked about it, Paracelsus talked about it. When a principle is a prince is true, people will get glimpses of it throughout time and space all over the place, and then it just took for Hahnemann to actually have a deeper insight into it and assemble a system of healing around it. Mm. Right? But he didn't invent the principle of cure by homeopathy. He just uncovered it and created a healing system around it. That's the way I, I think about it. Um, Sydney Banks did the same thing, but not within the homeopathic field, but you could say within the psychological and spiritual field. What Sid Banks did was really brought a unity to the field of psychology and spirituality that we didn't have before. And he un- and what he uncovered was that there's actually principles behind how that works too, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. So, so there's wonderful, for me, there's wonderful parallels between the two. And um, for example, one of Sidney Banks's three principles is what he calls universal mind, where he basically talks about how our experience gets created. He said, well, the first ingredient you need is universal mind intelligence, which is he says it's the intelligence of all things and it's in all things. Mm. So it's that which is doing the creating, but everything is also infused with that intelligence. Well, what does that sound like to a homeopath? Vital force, right? <laughs> it's just, it's using a different language talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in homeopathy, we talk about this invisible dynamic plane, the vital force, and that's what actually does the healing. And all we're doing with remedies is to catalyze that and then the healing happens because it, the intelligence is built into the system. You know, all healing is self-healing. The remedies don't do it. We don't do it. It's a, it's a self-regulating uh, system, physiologically speaking. Well, guess what? So is the mind. So that's the bit that Sid Banks uncovered. The human mind is also self-regulating. Why? Because it has the same down intelligence behind it. How, how could it not? <laughs> right? It's so funny to me that even homeopaths, will often think that that exists in the kind of body, but they won't necessarily think it exists to the same extent but with the human mind. You know, that we, we have the idea that maybe there's some exceptions, some mental health problems need some different kind of, in, you know, intervention or something like that. Um, what Sid Banks came to see was that everyone actually has mental health on the inside. Mm-hmm. And he said as much. He said, every human being is sitting in the middle of mental health. They just don't know it. They're innocently using the gift of the mind against themselves to create suffering. That's essentially what the three principles reveals. So I just started to see parallels like this all over the place. And and then, of course, we had the COVID situation, um, lockdowns and all of that. I was unable to do the work that I've normally been doing, which is working with groups, trainings, programs, and so on. So I had to stay home for a while. (laughs) And 
it, it occurred to me, it was interesting because I saw that some of the people who I knew in the three principles world who were doing amazing work in the mental health field and so on, they were getting freaked out about COVID because they don't have the holistic understanding that I had as a homeopath. Mm. Right. I thought, well, that's interesting. I wasn't getting freaked out. I thought, we've got homeopathy. What are you guys worried about? But of course, they didn't know about that. You know, medically speaking, they were still in quite con thinking in conventional terms. And then I looked at the other side of the coin. I started to speak with homeopathic colleagues who were doing amazing work, of course, during COVID time and after. And what I realized was that, oh, they don't have the principles understanding. It would be so helpful if they knew this piece. It would take all the stress out of the equation of their work, all the overwhelm, all the burnout, all of that. You, you could, I mean, honestly, <laughs> you can deal with that so quickly once you have the principles understanding and it gives you something you can share with your clients, mm -hmm. which will um, enhance the self-healing work that you're already doing for them. Because I came to see that, I would say that one of the main obstacles to cure in 21st century is what I would call chronic mental stress. And we know physiologically now, if someone's living in a state of chronic mental stress, it doesn't matter what they do, they can eat the right foods, they can take the supplements, they can even take remedies, they can do yoga every morning. If that chronic mental stress continues, it actually inhibits all the self-healing mechanisms of the body. So it's, a, it's not a little thing. It's mm -hmm. a really, really crucial factor. And not only that, it makes the homeopathic picture very complicated. Because you've got the original symptom picture and then you've got a whole fog of what the person thinks is causing it and all the reasons why they think they are the way they are. And this is a, when all of that's in the way, that makes for a complicated case. This is why homeopaths often go to places like India or Africa and they take cases. They wow, homeopathy is easy here. Mm. Right. It seems a lot easier. Why? Because people have not got so much on their mind. Mm -hmm. They're not adding so much story to it because we live in much more psychologized kind of atmosphere in the West. Mm -hmm. so that's really not helping us. That's working against us, not just as practitioners, but as individuals. So there's so many ways in which I see these things, you know, dovetailing and helping each other out and working well together. Mm -hmm. And so did you, so during COVID, you began to share the principles with homeopath, homeopath. Homeopaths, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for, yeah. Whenever I could get the chance, yeah, and yeah. I, and that started to happen. One of the reasons that happened was I, I did a couple of homeopathy programs, which I hadn't taught for years, but I thought I'll just do it for fun, see if anyone's interested. And I got like hundreds of people signed up. <laughs> so that was fun. So I did a couple of online programs, which were actually homeopathy programs. but And some of the people from the Three Principles world got interested in that. So I thought, well, that's great, that worked. And then it started going the other way around. I started getting invited again because people saw I was doing something homeopathic, which I hadn't done for years. I got invited to go and speak at some of the homeopathy colleges and give talks and so on. So the kind of cross fertilization started to happen, which I was really happy with. And it continues. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. That's great to hear. Um, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was um, burnout which you mentioned and stress and this mental activity that's all going on overwhelm is another word we often use and um on on your website you have a blog post that talks about how these things are signals yeah um about how we are imposing our agenda on life so could you talk about that a little bit more yeah and again that's one of the gifts of the principles of understanding just like when i don't have you learned homeopathy alexander is that part of your background no i was no. making the false assumption i just realized 
that you would understand the homeopathic references I was making. And I thought, actually, I don't think that's true. So sorry about that. That's just, okay. But um, in homeopathy, what when people go through a journey like I did, learning something like homeopathy, you know, in a deep way, and it could be acupuncture, it could be one of many holistic things. It doesn't just give you a new tool to treat illness. What it gives you is a new way of thinking about health and disease. Mm. Right. It changes your perspective. So you you actually have a different homeopaths have a different relationship to symptoms than the average Joe. We don't see symptoms in anything like the same way. Mm. We see it as the language of the vital force of the intelligence that's at work behind the scenes. It's like the symbolic language of that intelligence showing us what's going on and, and what's needed in order to help and support that healing process. So it's like a signal system to a homeopath. Mm. It's like really valuable information, whereas most people see symptoms as a nuisance to be gotten rid of. Right? Yeah. They think that that is the disease. I've got a headache. Give me a pill, make it go away. Yeah. <laughs> end, end of story. So just as that happens for if you're training in something like homeopathy, when you learn the principles, what that does, it changes your relationship to feelings, to emotions, particularly what we would call the negative ones or stressful ones. You know, feelings like anything that a person would call stress. Mm -hmm. anxiety or depression overwhelm something of that kind um how does it do that what you start to learn is that again the body mind is just giving feedback when we have a feeling that's a feeling of constriction or tightness or discomfort which is why we would call it stressful what is it signaling well if you understand that thought creates feeling not circumstances then what it's signaling is, is that feeling is giving you feedback of, about the, the state of mind, essentially. It's not giving you detailed, you know, thought by thought breakdown because thought's moving really quick, but it's giving you, it's giving you the flavor of it. Mm. If you're in an anxious state of mind, you're going to feel anxious in your body. If you've got thoughts about this should be happening and, is it, and it isn't, you're going to feel frustrated in your body. And it's a watertight system for all of us. You can't think one kind of thoughts and feel something different, right? So once you know that, what we would normally think of as negative emotions or stressful feelings, now they become really useful indicators because they're making visible the, the thinking patterns that would otherwise be invisible to you. So it's bringing, it's like the, the warning, it's like the dashboard warning light. It's alerting you to something that it's good to know. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you, there's anything that you have to do about that. This is the this is the piece that people find challenging. It's like, okay, I know I know it's my thinking, and I know it's the wrong kind of thinking. How do I get rid of it and change it? Whoa, yeah, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> it's actually enough to understand that it's thought. Once you see that it's thought, and you understand something about the nature of thought, what's the nature of thought? It's temporary, and it's pure energy. It's not made of anything solid. It's just energy taking form momentarily creating an experience which then cascades through our physiology and then it moves back into the formless from where it came it's followed by an, another thought and it's like a continuous stream that we're living in yeah so once you understand that the only thing that we need to do is to notice when we if we're feeling something that's not pleasant okay so i must be in some kind of a state of mind without without realizing it i'm creating this feeling of worry and anxiety Oh, well, that's good to know that. So I can, I may as well ignore that thinking. Mm -hmm. That's actually all we need to do is just pay no attention to it. Mm -hmm. 
because it's a self-correcting system it's mm-hmm. self-regulating if we don't give it any attention it just leaves us and then fresh thought comes in and we feel different mm-hmm. that's how we if you look at young children and babies that's how they process emotion right something comes to them they feel it it's very intense but it's momentary and they they get over themselves very quickly and we think that's amazing <laughs> Or what are they doing to recover so quickly? Well, again, that's the wrong question. Is actually, what are they not doing? Right. What they're not doing is adding a story to what they're experiencing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's because we've learned to do that as we've gotten a bit older. So we're actually interfering with the self-regulating process that we were born with. Mm-hmm. We feel something. It's momentarily unpleasant. It's just about to leave us. And we go, wait a minute. I'm not done with you. Mm. Come back here. I need to analyze you and fix you. I need to find out where you come from and how long you've been and how long you're going to bother me for. And and all of that extra attention just amplifies it in our experience. And then we have the experience of being stuck in a certain feeling state. But again, that's self-created and it's innocently done. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I love that explanation. That was great. Thank you so much. So when we, just before we hit record, um, I'm, we talked about how you were just at the Viva event in Spain. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, I just wondered if there was um, like, as you've been involved in this understanding for a few years now, do you continue to see, um, to have insights, to see things in a fresh way? Yeah. 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 It's the gift that keeps on giving, which is, you know, it's just amazing. Once you kind of have an orientation and you, know what direction is helpful to look in it just keeps opening up Mm -hmm. more and more Um, and that yeah that to me is one of the amazing things about it and my colleagues who people that I trained with they've been in this field 40 years some of them and they still say the same thing they're like beginners in that sense you know they're still having insights it's still getting uh, deeper but also simpler the deeper it gets the simpler it gets yeah and nice. that's quite interesting. So as, as people move further along that journey, what they report pretty much universally is that they realize there's even less to do than they thought. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more like an unlearning, you know, it's like a shedding and an unlearning rather than a, an acquisition type learning. Yeah. And that's that's an important thing for people to realize. If anyone looks into it and they, if you start coming at it with your intellect, trying to learn it like you might learn another, you know, a, a book oriented subject, You'll miss it because mm. you can't really learn it that way. It's learned through insight, through your own realization. And it's not memory-based because once you have a shift in understanding through insight, you don't have to remember it. You've already mm. had the shift. Yeah, And that's really, I would call it embodied learning. You know, when, when, you, when you really embody what you know, you don't have to go through life thinking about it or remembering it or looking it up because you're living out of your understanding now. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're always living out of our understanding. Mm-hmm. It just makes that conscious and, and visible uh, a bit more than it was before. But I would say that the main thing for me that um, I suppose I've paid most attention to, and it's partly reflecting my own background interest, is an aspect of the principles that we call innate well-being. So this is one of the things that Sydney Banks uncovered, is that everyone's actually okay on the inside. Uh, no one's broken psychologically speaking no one is broken now that a lot of people have the experience that they're broken or they have the belief that they're broken but that's being created in thought and then it gets reinforced by health professionals usually and 
you know, whatever they read and they look upon Google and so on, and then they put a label on it, it starts to appear as if it's more real mm-hmm. than it than it did before, more solid, more tangible. But actually, it's still being created in thought. And underneath all of that, person's still 100% okay. Everybody has innate well-being. So that's a piece of the understanding that to me just keeps opening up. I keep seeing it deeper and deeper. And it's so profound and it's so powerful. Um, no matter what modality you're working from, if you, you know, if you're working with other people in a helping role, if you if you sit with the person that you're helping with the certainty, if you know with absolute certainty that they're okay on the inside, they might not know that. But if you know that on their behalf, so to speak, it acts as a kind of tuning fork. They start to pick it up from you. They mm-hmm. start to remember because it's true. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so you're, you're reflecting back to them a deeper truth than what they currently believe about themselves. And at a certain point, it hits them. And they go, oh, my God. And they once they realize it for themselves, they're good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so remarkable how that happens. And I love your your tuning fork analogy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really what it feels That's how like. I think of it. You know, yeah. it's like a resonance, like a resonance yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as we're winding up here today, is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to share? Um, I think the only the other piece that I would perhaps just mention, because again, to me, it's a significant piece of the understanding, is um, really, I think what we're doing as we as we come to understand ourselves better is learning to listen in to our own wisdom more and more. And this is, again, something that Sidney Banks talked about a lot, was um, he he had a lovely definition of wisdom, which really struck me when I heard it. For him, wisdom was, he, he said, that's the intelligence of life, that universal mind intelligence. He said, whenever it comes through us and it's not contaminated by our personal thinking, you know, what by what we've picked up, habits of thought and so on. If it's not contaminated, he says it comes through as wisdom. We experience it as wisdom. Mm. Now, it might, you know, come out of your mouth as wisdom. Or he said, often it's just, you just know what to do. You know, you just find yourself doing the right thing and you don't really think about it too much. And and it's funny how we often do that, in you know, in emergency situations. People often do things that would never have occurred to them in daily life. And they get asked afterwards, you know, how did you know to do that? They say, well, I didn't have time to think. <laughs> right yeah and that that reveals the truth of what sydney banks is pointing to is that when we're not when our mind's not cluttered we can actually live in a much more wisdom-led way a much more instinctual way which is how animals live mm. you know, and it's how we're designed because we still you know we are physiologically speaking animals as well so we have all of this instinct and energetic knowing within us most of which is underutilized now because we've we've been taught to rely on the intellect for everything Mm-hmm. so over time what this what i see this uh, understanding does it helps to correct that imbalance so we we start to let go of the need to use the intellect to overuse the intellect and then we could fall back on this other system that we've got which is actually way better mm-hmm. and it and it doesn't take effort you know it, it I, I was doing a retreat recently i called it the path of ease mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what starts to unfold if you if you just learn to listen into your own wisdom your life will be relatively straightforward. You'll, I mean, you you know, there'll be twists and turns and lots of things that you can't predict, but your experience of it will will be relatively stress-free and that's available to anyone. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautifully said. I love that. Thank you so much. So where can we find out more about you and your work, Ian? 
I have a website which is called the Insight Space, as written as if it's one word. So it's the insightspace.com. Um, so that's where I put, you know, there's quite a good body of resources there, most of which are freely available. Um, and also there'll be pages for any events and so on that come up. But there's plenty of recordings and things that I've already made that people can enjoy. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's the main place. People can also find me on Facebook from time to time. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I will put links to the to your website in the show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. Thank you so much, Eden. This has been lovely and lovely to connect with you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, Get your complimentary copy of my Freedom from Overeating Starter Kit at alexandraamore.com forward slash starter kit. See you next time.